Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. We had our first huge news week of the offseason with San Jose State hiring their Brent Brennan replacement and former Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo. We'll break that down, followed by a ton of transfer portal news, which includes a bunch of star players from the Spartans. Then to finish the show, I wanted to take a look back at every team's best moment of the year, so make sure to stick around for that. Now, let's get right into it. Following the news that Brent Brennan would be leaving San Jose State for Arizona, the Spartans administration made it clear they were prioritizing head coaching experience above all else. They followed through on that by hiring former Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo as their 20th head coach. The Hawaii native was a quarterback in his playing days, and after returning to Hawaii as a graduate assistant in 1994, he got his career jump-started by former Navy and Georgia Tech coach Paul Johnson, who was just hired by the midshipmen and convinced Niamatololo to be his running backs coach. He would have several different titles over the next decade, including quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and assistant head coach, along with a three-year stint at UNLV as their special teams and tight ends coach. After paying his dues, Niamatololo got his shot at running his own program in 2008, succeeding his mentor Paul Johnson after he left for Atlanta. Over the next 15 years, Niamatololo would solidify his name in Navy lore, becoming their all-time leader in wins, bowl appearances, and bowl wins, along with three American Conference Coach of the Year awards and a nine-game winning streak against Army. The midshipmen slipped from 2020 to 2022, never getting above four and eight, which cost Niamatololo his job. He spent the 2023 season as UCLA's tight ends coach and will now get a fresh start with San Jose State. He's already made a point that he's not running the triple option, tabbing Texas State assistant and former Hawaii wide receiver Craig Stutzman as his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. This hire may not shake the earth, but Niamatololo is a proven winner like him or not. While Alonzo Carter or Brennan Marion could have been home runs, hiring Niamatololo is a solid double in the gap. We'll see how San Jose State does moving forward, but they have chosen their new leader for a new era. Next, let's talk about all of the new transfer portal chaos starting with Nevada head coach Jeff Choate has been incredibly active in the transfer portal, landing nine power five transfers over the last two weeks, most recently flipping Brock Purdy's younger brother Chubba from San Jose State after news of Brett Brennan leaving for Arizona bro. The Wolfpack have done well in the portal so far and are likely far from finished. New Mexico suffered a gut punch this week with leading tackler Alec Marenko entering the transfer portal. The Lobos did add three new power five transfers and San Diego State veteran corner Noah Avenger. Sean Lewis and San Diego State have to regroup after Zach Morris, who was a star corner for New Mexico before joining the Aztecs last month, was stunningly flipped to UTSA. If if you're wondering, transfer portal commitments aren't final until the player actually enrolls into the school. If it's just a commitment graphic on Twitter, they can flip. After San Jose State made their hiring of Ken Niamatololo official, the dominoes of Brent Brennan being hired away have finally begun to fall. Running back Quali Conley, who broke out as one of the best rushers in the Mountain West and was an Offensive Player of the Year candidate with Kyrie Robinson graduating, announced he was entering the portal. The same goes for all-conference wide receiver Nick Nash. So did linebacker Brian Parham, who led the team with 106 tackles this year. So are the Spartans' top two defensive linemen, Trey Smith and Sawane Tawoya. With the timing of it all, you've got to imagine that they 
may have stayed in San Jose if their next head coach wasn't inside hire, like running backs coach Alonzo Carter, who, who Quali Conley tweeted he wanted to get the job. Maybe these players would have still ended up playing for Brennan at Arizona or elsewhere, but who's to say? Utah State landed a few commitments, but my favorite one has to be Buffalo linebacker Sean Dolak. Though he only played four games this year after getting hurt, he was an all-MAC first team member in 2022 after nearly reaching 150 tackles. If he can stay healthy, he could replace MJ Tafisi Jr.'s production. Now, to finish the show, let's look back at the best moment of the year for each team. These are just my picks. There's many different ways you can approach this, so if you disagree with any of my choices, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Going alphabetically, let's get into this starting with Air Force. For about two-thirds of the college football season, the Falcons were the front runners for the Group of Five New Year's Six bid. While they fell short of that, their 8-0 start was historic in its own right, led by an elite defense and a run game with a host of different players that can hurt you. Air Force only had one close game, a nail-biter against Wyoming, on their way to the Academy's best start since 1985 and highest ranking of the 21st century. The season went off the rails after this with four straight losses, but their blazing fast beginning was a ride no Air Force fan will ever forget. Now for Boise State, this season was stressful for Broncos fans. The non-conference games were brutal, blown out by national championship runner-up Washington, lost by a field goal to UCF and Memphis. As if things couldn't get worse, Colorado State pulls a miracle out of thin air, catching a ricocheted Hail Mary attempt for a touchdown as time expired. 21 points in four minutes for Boise State's first ever loss to the Rams. Andy Avalos got his team back to 500 after thumping Wyoming and New Mexico, but his fate was sealed as he was fired with three games left in the season. Defensive coordinator Spencer Danielson took over, and despite every insane thing I just mentioned, the Broncos righted the ship. They blew out Utah State and handled Air Force to force a three-way tie for first, and after winning the tiebreaker, they overwhelmed upstart UNLV to win their first Mountain West championship since 2019. From preseason favorites to the sky falling and all the way back to the top of the mountain, congrats to any Broncos fans that got out of this season in one piece. Next, we have Colorado State sitting at 2-3 and three entering their game against Boise State. The Rams knew their season was at a crossroads. For any chance at a bowl game, they had to get their first ever win against the Broncos. The offense that had looked so explosive against Deion Sanders in Colorado was shut out in the first half, and after Ashton Gentry's third rushing score of the day made it 30-10 to with six minutes to go, Colorado State's dreams were dead in the water. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, and his offense finally woke up, getting into the end zone in two minutes. Down 13 points, they still needed several miracles, and got one of them by securing the onside kick. The Rams again found the end zone after a two-minute drive, making the score 30-24 to with a minute 52 left. Unfortunately, Ashton Genty recovered the onside kick, and that seemed to be all she wrote. But Colorado State's defense forced a punt, and the Rams somehow had a shot with 32 seconds, no timeouts, and a dream. After two incompletions, Braden Fowler Nicolosi found Tori Horton on a deep post for 44 yards, stopping the clock with six seconds left at the 33-yard line. A Hail Mary attempt to win the game, a game they didn't lead for a second, was now here. Braden Fowler Nicolosi rolled out to buy some time and then launched the ball towards the massive bodies in the end zone. Broncos corner Kawanohi Kaniho was the first to get his hands on the ball, batting it towards the turf, but just inches away from 
from the ground, All-American tight end Dallin Holker dove in from out of nowhere to snag the football, touchdown Rams, the half-empty canvas stadium explodes, and after Jordan Noyes hit the game-winning extra point, every fan left in attendance ran onto the field. Against all odds and logic, Colorado State pulls the rabbit out of the hat to get to 3-3 and in their first ever win against Boise State. Next on to Fresno State, the Mountain West defending champions open the season in West Lafayette, taking on Purdue in their first game of the Ryan Walters era. The Bulldogs weren't coming into the game as underdogs per se, but no one knew what the offense would look like with UCF transfer Mikey Keene running the show. Would receivers step up? Could Keene lead the way? Is Fresno State still a force to be reckoned with? The answers to all of these was yes. After a back and forth first half, Purdue entered the second half with a four-point lead and added onto it with a kick return touchdown. Down by 11, the Bulldogs turned the heat up, cutting the lead to three with a Jalen Gill touchdown catch. A minute into the fourth quarter, Fresno State got their first lead of the game, with Malik Sherrod punching it in to go up 32-28. The Boilermakers responded with their own go-ahead touchdown with five minutes left, giving Mikey Keene the chance to put together a magical debut. He drove his team down the field, burning significant time in the process before hitting Eric Brooks for a 22-yard potentially game-winning touchdown with 59 seconds to go. Purdue had one drive to answer, but after Lavelle Bailey knocked down Hudson Card's fourth down pass, it was all over. On the backs of former walk-on turn captain Eric Brooks and Mikey Keene's first start as a Bulldog, Fresno State put the college football world on notice. They had a 10-game winning streak and were looking just as good as they did last season. Next, we have Hawaii. Expectations for Timmy Chang's second year at the helm were still quite low considering the magnitude of what he's rebuilding. They had some solid wins, notably against CUSA runner-up New Mexico State, but were still out of the bowl chase at 3-7. and seven. Even without this next game, the season was a solid step up from last year for the Rainbow Warriors. But when you add in what they did here, embarrassing an 8-1 Air Force team that has one of the best defenses in the country, their potential is limitless. They led the entire game and secured the upset with a forced fumble turned scoop and score in the fourth quarter that put Hawaii up 27-10. By hoisting the Cutter Trophy for the first time since 2016, it's clear that better days are ahead for Timmy Chang and the Rainbow Warriors. Next up, we have Nevada. No one wants their season to start 0-6, losing by an average of 22 points a game, but the tides began turning for Ken Wilson and the Wolfpack as they won a slugfest against San Diego State, 6-0 for their first win of the year. Good for them, and oh my god, they won another one, this time in Reno against New Mexico. Nevada used an incredible first half, which featured three field goals, a touchdown run, and a pick six to go up 24 to nothing. Even with the Lobos scoring 24 points in the second half, it was no use as the Wolfpack had themselves an honest-to-goodness win streak, their first since they started 2022, 2-0. While this was as far as the win streak and Ken Wilson would go, Nevada showed impressive resolve and resilience by getting these two wins. Next up, we have New Mexico. Danny Gonzalez and the Lobos always left everything they had on the field. Despite sitting at 3-7, New Mexico relished their potential role of party crasher, traveling to Fresno, where the Bulldogs only needed to beat two non-Bull teams to send themselves back to the Mountain West title game. The game started like many expected it would, Fresno State taking an early 14-3 lead, but it was all Lobos from that point on. Jacory Krosky Merritt broke off a 50-yard half 
house call to cut the lead to two before halftime, and his second rushing touchdown would give New Mexico an 18-14 lead with 17 minutes to play. With their defense stonewalling anything the Bulldogs tried offensively, the Lobos continued to seize the upset bid with freshman quarterback Devin Dampierre hitting Caleb Medford for a 33-yard knockout punch with eight minutes to go. Fresno State hit a field goal to make it a one-possession game, but the game was over at that point. With nothing to gain besides pride and laughs, New Mexico walked into the defending champion's house and whipped their tail. It's the first time the Lobos have beaten the Bulldogs in Fresno since 1994, and although this didn't save Danny Gonzalez's job, this game is all the proof you need to see to know that his players will run through a brick wall for him. Next, we have San Diego State. After a close loss to Colorado State, officially knocked the Aztecs out of bowl contention. Head coach Brady Hoke announced that he would retire at the end of the year. After 42 years, over 100 wins, and a Coach of the Year award in every conference he's coached in, anyone with a brain cell can tell you that Brady Hoke is a coaching legend. But he had one last thing to do before he called it a career, and that was winning the old oil can back from their rivals in Fresno. Since returning to San Diego State, Hoke had yet to beat the Bulldogs, and this was his last shot. Malik Sherrod put the Aztecs down early with a 62-yard touchdown run, but that would be pretty much all Fresno State had to offer. Three field goals and a 70-yard house call from Jalen Maiden would give San Diego State a 16-10 halftime lead. Another rushing score in the third quarter would push their lead to 13, and although the Bulldogs were able to make it a one-possession game with 10 minutes remaining, the Aztecs weren't letting their lead go as they went on a 14-play, 7-minute long touchdown drive that put the game away for good. Thanks to a dominant defensive display, Brady Hoke goes out on top. Next, we have San Jose State. After blowing a 20-point lead to Boise State, the Spartans fell to 1-5. It was their best offensive performance outside of the Cal Poly game, but they still found themselves in quite the hole. San Jose State then beat Utah State, New Mexico, and Hawaii by an average of 28 points. If the Mountain West wasn't aware yet, they were put on notice after the Spartans dominated Fresno State in the battle for the Valley, where they led for three possessions for basically the entire game. From 1-5 to 5-5, San Jose State then took care of business against San Diego State to secure a bowl game, but more importantly and improbably, it set up an apparent conference championship semifinal in the season finale at UNLV. This game was a microcosm of the Spartan season, huge swings of positives and negatives, with the only constant being the spirit of the team on the field. San Jose State went up 17 points in the first eight minutes, which led to a 20-10 halftime lead. UNLV cut the lead to three with Jet Thomas's second touchdown run of the day, but then the Spartans went on another huge run. Chevin Cordero throws his second touchdown pass to push their lead back up to 10, followed by a field goal. Jose Pizano, one of the best kickers in the country, misses his field goal attempt, sending up what looks to be the dagger as Kyrie Robinson finds a crease and goes 40 yards to the house, putting San Jose State up 37-17 with 11 minutes to go. UNLV wasn't going to lie down though as Jet Thomas's third touchdown run cut their deficit to 13. They forced a three and out and scored another touchdown two minutes later to make it 37-31 with 90 seconds left. The Rebels go for the onside kick and come up empty. The Spartans just need one first down to win their sixth straight game, but they just can't get there and are forced to punt. With 51 seconds left and no timeouts, Jaden Maiava and 
and UNLV had a chance to pull off the comeback, but they only picked up one first down before running out of gas. From a depressing start of the season to an unbelievable win streak that no San Jose State fan will ever forget, they somehow forced a three-way tie atop the standings, and they now had to await their fate. Of course, we know the computer rankings gave them the short end of the stick, and we know what will happen with Brett Brennan in a few weeks, but that doesn't negate what this team accomplished and how many people they proved wrong. Next, we have UNLV. Barry Odom and his Rebels didn't have the highest expectations coming into the season, but they passed whatever those were in about five minutes. Powered by an innovative offense called the Go-Go Offense by the inventor, offensive coordinator Brennan Marion, they cruised to 6-1 and one in their first bowl berth in a decade. They came up short in a thriller against Fresno State, but they put themselves right back in the championship picture by making quick work of New Mexico and Wyoming. This setup would appear to be a play-in game for the conference championship with Air Force. UNLV struck first with Jaden Maiava finding Ricky White for a 78-yard house call. The Falcons would match that at the end of the first quarter with John Lee Eldridge III taking a pitch 55 yards to the end zone. They then got their first lead with a quarterback sneak from backup QB Jensen Jones and added a field goal on their next drive. Jaden Maiava then threw a bad interception setting Air Force up at the 11-yard line, which was converted into another Jensen Jones QB sneak touchdown. UNLV got up off the canvas with Vincent Davis Jr. cashing in on a 12-yard rushing touchdown. The Falcons got a field goal before halftime, but it was the Rebels who took control in the second half, starting with an 84-yard catch and run from tight end Kaleo Ballengai and a one-yard cleanup by Donovan Lester to make it a 27-21 game. UNLV got their first lead since the opening quarter with a short touchdown pass to Kaleo Ballengai, going up 28-27 with three minutes left in the third quarter. The Rebels could only muster a field goal after that point, but their defense rose to the occasion, forcing four punts and a fumble in the second half until this point. With the clock winding down, Air Force had a drive inside UNLV's 10-yard line, but after two stuffed runs and two incomplete passes, the underdog Rebels had done it. In his first year in Vegas, Barry Odom got his team to 9-2, their best record since 1984. They would play in their first ever conference championship game because of this win. Don't worry about what happened there, okay? Our second to last team, Utah State. It's been an up and down year for Blake Anderson and the Aggies, but they still just needed a win against New Mexico in the season finale to make their third straight bowl game with their top two quarterbacks, Cooper Laga and McKay Hillstead injured. There was no other option available other than junior Levi Williams. This game quickly turned into a shootout with Utah State somehow managing to stay just one step ahead of the Lobos at every turn. Levi Williams came out firing, finding star receiver Jalen Royals for two touchdowns in the first quarter. New Mexico got their own opening score from a 64-yard house call from Andrew Henry and a 29-yard touchdown pass from Devin Dampier right before halftime made it a 17-14 game. The Aggies opened the second half with another score. This time it was Levi Williams racing 29 yards to the end zone to push their lead to 10. Later in the third, Ja'Cory Krosky-Merritt would match that with a 22-yard rushing touchdown, his 17th of the year. Utah State almost put it away with five minutes left, with Rashul Faison taking it in from 12 yards out to make it a 31-21 lead, but New Mexico just never goes away. They drove down the field and got back into the end zone with three minutes left, forced a punt, and got deep into Aggie territory with time running out. They took a shot or two at the end zone, but they ultimately settled for a chip 
chip shot field goal, sending this crazy game to overtime. The first session of free football saw both teams' quarterbacks getting their second rushing touchdown, tying us again at 38 apiece. The Lobos couldn't move the ball in the second overtime, opting to take a field goal and trust their defense. After picking up a first down, Levi Williams would fumble the ball while trying to hand it to running back Rashul Faison. Not panicking, he grabbed it off the turf, broke one tackle, and turned on the Jets, sprinting away from the direction the entire Lobo defense went when the fumble happened. He was untouched until the five-yard line, where he broke another tackle before crashing into several UNM defenders at the goal line, barreling into the end zone for the win. In his first career start, Levi Williams accounted for 250 total yards and five touchdowns, dragging Utah State kicking and screaming into a bowl game. And if you don't remember, he then announced he's done with college football after the bowl game so he can become a Navy SEAL. You simply cannot write that. And our final team is, of course, Wyoming. This may be my most controversial pick, as it is kind of weird that the Cowboys had two field stormings and I didn't pick either of them. Wyoming had an insanely hectic season with, with an overtime upset over Texas Tech, a solid showing against college football playoff semifinalist Texas, an incredible comeback win against Appalachian State, and their first ranked win since 2016 over Fresno State, and that's just the first half of the season. The Cowboys slowed down in the second half of the year, losing to Air Force, Boise State, and UNLV, who all finished above them in the standings, and easily beating Colorado State, Nevada, and Hawaii. At 8-4, and four, Wyoming got sent to the Arizona Bowl for the second straight year, taking on 11-2 Toledo. The game had some gasoline poured on it, though, when Craig Bull announced that this would be the final game of his storied 42-year coaching career. As expected, it was a defensive battle from start to finish. The Cowboys got on the board first with a field goal. Toledo looked to be on their way to matching it, but safety Isaac White would grab an interception to thwart them. Starting from their own one-yard line, the Cowboys fought all the way back into field goal range, hitting a second one to go up six to nothing. Toledo got a field goal of their own, but after getting a stop on defense, Rockets running back Jacques Stewart would take the first play of the drive 80 yards to the house, immediately putting Toledo up 10 to six. That score would hold into halftime, and after the half opened with a punt from each team, we got our first safety of the bowl season, with Andrew Peasley getting strip sacked into the end zone, which was recovered by a Cowboy lineman to make it 12 to six. Toledo capitalized on their good fortune, hitting another short field goal to make it a nine-point deficit for Wyoming. Entering the fourth quarter, time was running out for Craig Bull and the Cowboys, especially after they punted the ball away again, but their defense forced a three and out to give them a chance. Wyoming embarked on their first successful drive of the second half, with Andrew Peasley getting them down to the seven-yard line before being knocked out with a rib injury, and backup quarterback Evan Sabota picking up the last few yards to get the Cowboys' first touchdown of the night. Down 15-13 with eight minutes left. This was now officially a ball game. The Rockets converted on two-third downs getting into Wyoming territory, but they couldn't get any further than that and punted it away with four minutes to go. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to watch a master at work and his name is Craig Bull. Andrew Peasley came back in for one play, a 26-yard strike to Ayer Asante before again leaving the game from the earlier hit to the ribs. The Cowboys got into field goal range after a 16-yard catch from Wyatt Whelan, plus an unnecessary roughness penalty, but the job wasn't done. Craig Bull had no plans to give the football back, and after forcing Toledo to use their remaining timeouts, they had the option of taking a knee and the field goal, leaving the Rockets with 30 seconds and no timeouts, or 
trying to pick up the first down. Bowl chose the latter, with Evan Sabota scampering for the first down, but not before a Toledo defender punched the ball out. The season, and to some extent Craig Bowl's legacy, hug in the balance as the ball headed towards the turf, and the football gods bounced the ball straight out of bounds. After a little more clock management, including an emphatic final timeout call, John Hoyland lined up for a potential game winner from 24 yards out with one second left, and he nailed it. Wyoming trailed for the final 35 minutes of play, but led 16-15 to when the buzzer sounded. Craig Bull gets one more gritty bowl win for the mantle, and he rides into the sunset after delivering the Cowboys their best season since 1996. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we may even look at an entirely different sport. Stay tuned. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. It's really my dream to cover college football as it happens, so thank you to all of you out there for allowing me to have this platform. It really means a lot. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.